Hi, this is Noel Manning with Cinema Scene, hanging out with Adam Long. Uh, Adam is actually on the road today, so we uh, if, if we get cut off, and if you guys hear some weird things in the background, that's because uh, Adam is literally on the road. I think he's on uh, a scooter, uh, either that or a hoverboard uh, somewhere. So if you hear stuff in the background, that's Adam Long from Focus Newspaper. And we talk movies uh, right here on Gardner-Webb University Radio, Cinema Scene, WGWG.org. A lot of new movies to talk about this week. Uh, going to be talking about Truth. Uh, Steve Jobs also going to be talking about um, Goosebumps, hopefully, and, um, and then also a movie called Beast with No Nation, um, if, we have, uh, if we have the time to cover all of those things. But uh, first, I uh, thought I'd let Adam talk a little bit about, um, about some uh, new DVDs that he's received uh, from uh, Criterium. Is that correct? That's true, yeah. Their uh, October slate is up uh, and available in stores now. And uh, we've got a couple of, uh, got to take a look at a couple of things they have here. Um, and uh, just a couple of the discs. Uh, one is uh, Kwai Don. Uh, and I, they've got a couple of horror themed discs, I guess, in, te- in, uh, in keeping with the Halloween spirit, I suppose. But one of those is Kwai Don. Kwai Don is a Japanese, uh, I'd say it's a collection of ghost stories, more or less, uh, ancient folklore and such. Uh, it was made in 1965 by Toho Studios. Uh, it's a gorgeous-looking film, and for years it's been only available in truncated versions in the United States. Uh, here we have the complete three-hour and three-minute version of Quiet uh, On for the first time ever in the U.S., as far as I'm aware. It's a gorgeous-looking film, uh, very stylistically interesting. Uh, and, again, there are four... Ghost stories, um, roughly about 45 minutes apiece. And um, so, you, you know, it's, it's, it's a looking film. Uh, the, the stories, unfortunately, some of them are better than others, um, the actual stories themselves. Uh, I would say the, the second and the fourth one are probably the, the best ones of the film, the best ones of the lot. But uh, they're, they're all interesting to look at, if nothing else. And if you've ever seen this film, Quiet On, and you've been looking for a, a, a great uh, copy of it, a great transfer of it, uh, Criterion has done a bang-up job on it. There's great extras there. And so that's out on Blu-ray and, uh, and, and uh, also standard DVD issue as well. Let me give that uh, for the film. I'm going to give it a B plus, and the extras are A minus. Uh, you know, a lot of really uh, good extras there. So yeah, it, it's it's worth your time, especially if you're a fan of Fight On. Okay, that's uh, that's we we've got Adam Long on the line, and uh, if you guys are hearing some of that weird uh, stuff in the background. He's cutting in and out a little bit, and uh, the movie uh, B-plus for Qui-Gon that uh, Criterion has released, what's the original uh, date of that movie? 1965. All right, 1965. So we're talking about a 50-year-old film that uh, has now uh, been uh, been re-released uh, in a version uh, that Adam says is well worth checking out. Yeah, especially if you're a fan of, uh, you know, ghost stories based on ancient Cold War and things of that nature. So, uh, you know, it's worth it. Um, Another horror-themed release that uh, Criterion has uh, saw fit to put out this month uh, is uh, David Cronenberg's The Brood oh, yeah. from 1979. Yeah, and uh, how, how could you uh, forget uh, Leonard Maltin's review of that film where he says uh, something to the effect of uh, uh, a woman eats her own fetus while uh, kids go around beating people to death with mallets. 
It's a wide, <laughs> wonderful world we live in. That was the exact uh, quote from Leonard Butler uh, or something in that, yeah, something similar to that. But anyway, uh, the brood is out. It's great, again, great-looking transfer from Criterion. Uh, there's some really nice extras there. Uh, one of Cronenberg's earliest films has been uh, restored, and, and they've got a 4K transfer on uh, one of his earliest films. And I don't have the title of that film right in front of me, but it was one of his... Uh, if it wasn't his first, it was his second or third film that he... the short film. But it's there on the standard DVD. It says a, a bonus DVD. It's on a bonus DVD on the Blu-ray. It's all on one disc, of course. Uh, the Brood, of course, concerns... It has Samantha Agar and Oliver Reed, and uh, this this woman, uh, Samantha Agar, is going through having psychotherapy, and uh, and at the same time, there's a, a a bunch of murderous children that are unleashed, and it may be part of her psyche that's doing this. Not really sure. Uh, it becomes clear later on in the film, but uh, I would say it's not Cronenberg's uh, of his early stuff. It's not his best work. It's interesting, uh, and it's great to have it uh, in the Criterion uh, Special Edition, of course, uh, especially if you're completist of the Cronenberg stuff. Uh, but it's um, the film itself is, I'm going to give it a B minus, uh, or rather two and a half stars. Uh, you know, it has it has some moments in it, but it just doesn't, it's not as, as entertaining as, say, They Came From Within or Rabbit, which were his first two feature films. And, of course, he was going to do more horror stuff in Videodrome, and, uh, which is also available on Criterion, uh, that was released several years ago. And, uh, of course, The Fly uh, is probably his greatest achievement in the horror genre. So... Anyway, uh, The Brood is out on Criterion, as I said, and uh, I also want to mention an extra that's on there uh, where you get to see the Merv Griffin show where Oliver Reed was promoting the film, and listen to this. The guests on that episode were Orson Welles and Charo. Wow. So you get to see or- Orson Welles, Charo, <laughs> and Oliver Reed wow. in an episode of the Merv Griffin show as an extra. Awesome. I would say, and you'll probably agree with me, I would say that uh, that almost makes it worth the price of the disc. Yeah, just absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Brood uh, from 1979, uh, directed by David Cronenberg, um, is available. Uh, it's been available on initial DVD since uh, 2003, August of 20, uh, 2003. Uh, now Criterion has uh, brought out this version of it. And uh, Adam Long uh, on the phone with us here at Cinema Scene as always, but he's on the road. Uh, so just reminding, if you guys are hearing some weird things going on, that's because he's a weird guy on his hoverboard. <laughs> Uh, talking about some of the Criterion releases uh, that he has uh, recently received and giving some uh, feedback on those. Uh, do you have any others you want to talk talk about as well? Uh, I think that's the only ones I'm okay. going to talk about this time. I haven't gotten around to looking at uh, my own private Idaho is another one that gotcha. uh, is out there, and I'm going to get I'm going to look at that. And we'll we'll have more of a report on that next week. Uh, I do want to also mention that Jurassic World is is uh, headed to uh, video store shelves and. Um, you know, uh, mail order and all that stuff, wherever you get your blue rays and stuff. And it's, uh, as to be expected, a great-looking uh, Blu-ray DVD. It's out in Blu-ray 3D and regular Blu-ray. On demand uh, as well. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just want to make the listeners aware that, you know, it's, uh, they, they do a pretty good job with the extras there. And uh, so, so, um, good so deal. Jurassic World is out there, as is Pixels. 
Yes. Uh, yeah. And uh, got to got to take a look at that too. And so, uh, you know, again, if you're a fan of pixels, you'll love uh, the new Blu-ray on pixels because they do a good job uh, with the extras. Pretty interesting extras there. Yeah. Uh, uh, better than. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, probably the extras are better than the movie as a whole. Visually, oh, right, I, you know, right. visually the movie was, was wonderful and it was fun, but um, it was it was not a good film um, as, a, as a whole piece. I, I love the concept of it. I thought the story concept was, was, was really creative, but they just, uh, they just didn't follow through with it, on my, from, from my opinion. Yeah, and uh, one thing I did notice, I will have to say, is uh, you know, I wonder if you picked up on this, there's some uh, glaring inconsistencies with the uh, time frames of the 80s uh, references that are not really uh, of a 1982 vintage, shall we yep. say. Oh, yeah. For instance, yep. uh, there's, there's a sequence at the beginning where you see a guy doing the karate kid pose that Ralph Macchio is famous for doing. And uh, so this is supposed to be in summer of 1982. Obviously, karate kid did not come out until the summer of 1984. Yep. Yep. And then one of the kids, uh, one, of, one of the characters uh, makes a mention of uh, Samantha Fox, and, uh, he, that he would choose her over Olivia John as far as being a hottie. And, uh, you know, we all know Samantha Fox didn't have her first chart record until 1987. Right, Although right. Although she was known for adults <laughs> before yeah. that, so uh, yeah, it makes that, me wonder, you yeah, know. I think that's what he was referring to, probably. I don't know, but I don't even think she did adult films until the mid '80s. So I think I think time frame's way off there. Yeah, and then they yeah. also make mention of uh, of the aliens disguising himself as the Where's the Beef lady. Well, Where's the Beef commercials didn't didn't uh, become a pop cultural staple until the. I think it was eighty four, eighty five. Yeah, yeah, they were they were way off on that. They were trying to combine all the '80s into one year. Um, but yeah, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, it was definitely not a film that uh, was was focused on any sense of reality at all. So that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what you call sloppy filmmaking. Yeah. But yeah, the ex- the extras are are pretty decent. Uh, what we've been seeing here lately is that uh, the studios are not spending a lot of money. They're not investing uh, in these extras really because you know it's just not uh, people don't buy. Um, uh, physical media like they used to, right? right. Uh, but they they surprisingly pulled out uh, some some pretty good stuff for this, uh, as as is, as well as the Jurassic World. So yeah, uh, but yeah, just wanted to mention those uh, those titles as well. Sounds good. So, uh, they're, well, they're out there. So well, there you go. Well, let me let me. Uh, this is a good segue. We did not plan it this way, but you're talking about uh, inaccuracies and things that are uh, kind of untrue um, in the time period of uh, Pixels. Um, let me uh, let me actually tell you about a film called Truth. Uh, great segue there uh, that stars uh, Robert Redford, Kate Blanchett also, uh, and a film directed by uh, James uh, Vanderbilt, um, who uh, has not directed, uh, I think this is actually his uh, directorial debut. He has been involved in a lot of writing over the years and been uh, doing some assistant directing. But uh, he took on a, a pretty uh, interesting uh, concept of taking on you know, some, uh, some great caliber talent with Robert Redford and Kate Blanchett. Uh, Robert Redford stars as Dan Rather in this film that's based on a true story that was the downfall of uh, CBS News and uh, really the downfall of Dan, Dan Rather. Um, it, it follows uh, a broadcast report on 60 Minutes that covers um, uh, George W. Bush as he's approaching kind of the, his second term to be elected. And they throw out some ideas of maybe he was AWOL 
while he was in the military during Vietnam. Maybe he didn't do all that he said he did, and, and maybe he wasn't really around like he was supposed to be. Well, um, that's the story that they broke, and uh, they had a lot of uh, a lot of background, a lot of uh, interviews. They had some uh, people who provided them with some documents and resources. Well, um, they didn't do all of their homework, and uh, and that did shine through in this film that they 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 did some homework, but they also there were some times they just had to take that that chance of going, okay, we're going to move forward with the story, even if we don't have this substantiated. That came back to bite them. Uh, because once other networks started looking at the story, they started looking at the documents, and they threw the question out there, were these documents forged? Were they real? Um, and once that happened, it was no longer the story of George W. Bush and his military, uh, you know, his military career. It was really more of a story of, did the newsmakers actually make this news? Uh, and and did, they, did they do what they were supposed to do? And that's what ended up becoming the story. And uh, the story itself, uh, this, this movie was based on a book written by Mary Mapes, who was the actual producer uh, that put this story together. Kate uh, Blanchett stars as Mary Mapes. It's a, really, it's a fascinating story. Um, I, I was really, really impressed with the story. Uh, Robert Redford, really much more of a supporting character uh, in this film than, than the lead character. He was in it for a, for a good amount of time, but it was really... Uh, Mary Mapes' story, uh, played by Kate Blanchett. Redford did a great job. Uh, he, he's always just, uh, he's great on film. I, I really enjoy Redford. Kate uh, Blanchett, I felt, was a little, um, a little over the top. Um, I, I felt almost like I was watching somebody act, and I like Kate Blanchett, so this that kind of surprised me with this film. But uh, it was a film worth watching. It was a film also that had me continue to think about it after I left. Um, and continue to actually do research uh, on on this particular story and do background on the story, and uh, and actually even ended up buying um, a Dan Rather's book uh, that kind of focused on his his uh, downfall and uh, and what happened after that for him. So, if if nothing else, the story uh, generates more conversation and more dialogue. So I'm giving the movie Truth uh, that is uh, now uh, out in uh, select theaters. I'm giving that a solid B. Interesting, very interesting. Yep. I, I want to see this. We had a screening the other morning at 11 a.m., and my work was conflicting, and so I wasn't able to make it. Uh, but I was very curious. Uh, one of our colleagues uh, from the Charlotte Observer, he said it was, you know, kind of uh, one-sided with his way of putting it. So I, I disagree with him, actually. I, I think, uh, I think well, you know, it's going to be based kind of one-sided to, to one extent because – uh, Mary Mapes, uh, it was her story. Right, but, yeah. But I will say this, I think it did show a, an, an interesting balance because it showed where she messed up in the film. It showed where she had chances right. to, uh, to call, the, you know, call a stop on the story and to look for something else. So I, I, I disagree. I, I think it did show uh, that there were opportunities for her to make a different choice and a different path, and she chose not to. So I, I, I don't think it was completely one-sided. So... Uh, we'll, we'll disagree well, be, on that. Okay, well, I'll be yep. curious to see it myself. Yep. I, I, I uh, we, we, we compared notes at the screening for Room, which I saw on Monday, uh, which is going to be out in some of our independent, uh, are we going to get it at the, uh, in our some of our local independent art house theaters here in the, in the area, but uh, I don't know if you want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, go or, for it. Let's uh, go ahead and I'll, share. I'll briefly yeah. talk about it. Well, it's getting glowing reviews. Uh, Entertainment Weekly raving about it. So is the New York Times. 
getting like a 90% positive on uh, rotten, rotten Tomatoes. I felt like it was a mixed bag, and I'm not sure. Maybe maybe there's something wrong with me, but uh, it, it's based on the celebrated novel about this uh, woman and her seven-year-old son, who are or five-year-old son. I'm sorry, who are tra- who have been trapped in this uh, ten by ten foot room for ever since the child was born. Basically, this woman was raped. Uh, she had gave birth to the child and was locked in this this room for. You know, uh, every, every, after she gave birth and from there on out. And so the, the boy has never seen the outside world. And so was he, he, she plays games with him and tries to keep him occupied so he doesn't wonder what. And so this is the only world he's known. And that's intriguing. And that's all in the first hour. And then when he turns five years old, she decides to tell him that there is a world out there and that, uh, you know, there's sky and there's trees, all this stuff. And, and so uh, she, she, and I don't want to get too much away, but, but basically at the one-hour mark, there's a big hot twist and turn that sends the movie into a totally different tra- trajectory that just didn't didn't really work for me. It was, it was, a, it was a big climax at the one-hour mark, and after that, the film just didn't really have anywhere to go but, but down. It just, uh, there was, the last hour of the film was just tons of endless, what I thought were endless scenes of the kid eating and sleeping and uh, just... All, all of this type of stuff, and it just, I don't know, it felt static to me, and I know I'm in the minority on this, but I, I, I'm going to give it a, a B minus. It, it has a really compelling first hour, but, but the last hour, I don't know, I just, I, I just, and I heard somebody in the audience remarking, they said, and it was an hour and 52 minutes, they said, wow, that felt like that was three hours. I heard somebody wow. say, wow. Wow. That, that but I think all of my colleagues loved it, uh, our colleagues, I should say, yours and mine. I think they all loved it, so I like maybe there's something that, uh, maybe I'm just intellectually shallow. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it just, I don't know. It just didn't really, uh, didn't really fire on all cylinders for me, especially during that last hour. So, so anyway, uh, but, but it's getting rave reviews, so just wanted to mention it, throw it out there. Okay, the name of that movie is Room, and you gave that Room. a uh, B minus or a B-. C plus? B minus, yeah. B minus, yeah. B minus. Okay, well, you're talking about a movie that, that, that felt long. Um, I'll go ahead and dive into that as well. I'll, I'll talk about Beast of No Nation, which is really kind of groundbreaking on uh, on several levels. It's the first uh, feature-length film that Netflix has released that they're releasing in theaters really for um, award consideration. And uh, what they did is they released it in theaters uh, one day, and then the very next day they released it uh, online uh, for, for Netflix viewers. And so that's a, that's a new thing. I mean, you know, Net- Netflix broke the ground on video rentals and they really you know if you look at that they ran blockbuster out of business uh blockbuster missed the boat and they tried to get on the boat uh, way too long and uh they ended up getting thrown overboard well netflix is doing something new they're saying hey you know we're going to try to get into this movie making game as well and trying to get uh, recognized by others for the kinds of quality we can do in theaters so they've released a film called beast of no nation uh, it's two hours and 17 minutes long, and I'll go ahead and lead with, I think it was about 30 minutes too long. I, th- I think an hour and 45 minutes, this would have been a great film. Still a very good film, but but not a great film, and I think the length of it has something to do with that. Uh, it deals with uh, a civil war going on in Africa, uh, and you're following uh, really through the eyes and through the life of this, uh, this young kid um, whose family is killed. They're murdered in front of him. Uh, he has a, a, a mom and, a, and one of the younger kids that gets a chance to kind of escape. 
uh, escape this war-torn area. But he is um, is taken in, really, in, in many ways, kind of kidnapped by one of these rebel leaders and forced to become a, a guerrilla soldier. So he's trained how to shoot. He's trained how to kill. He's trained how to survive, but also be very, uh, very evil. Uh, and so you, you've got this. It's, it's a very interesting concept of a story. But you've got this kid that, that goes from complete total innocence to innocence lost to uh, to a kid really trying to find a way to, okay, can I even have empathy or compassion anymore once I've lived through this? And so it's it's really, really interesting, especially when you see, um, uh, you know, what happens when he has to uh, be face-to-face with taking a life. Uh, but you do see this empathy come back. You see glimpses of it, especially when one of his, one of his friends dies. You see that he does have that humanity that's still there, even when evil, um, when you're being trained for evil purposes. It was well shot. It was well acted. Um, Idris Eba um, is uh, is the uh, the really the uh, uh, I'm sorry, um, Idris Elba is the uh, the actor that only anyone would know in this. Uh, the only face anybody would know. Abraham Atta is the young kid who plays the orphan. Uh, he does a great job as well. Uh, the, the film starts slow. Uh, and part of that slow start, I know, is, is kind of developing the backstory, but it uses this voiceover narration that I think the movie could have done without. I think the voiceover narration really distracted from me. Um, a very intense second act. Um, the third act was, was a bit slow, so way too long uh, was the thing for me. Uh, and also that voiceover narration, it kind of disrupted the story, didn't really add anything to it. But there were some great quotes that I think just really kind of ties in and that I wrote down as I was watching this. And one of the quotes says, nothing is ever for sure. Everything is always changing. Uh, and you really get a glimpse for that. And then, uh, and then this young kid who goes through this, through this just life of no longer being a kid anymore, uh, one of his quotes, he says, I'm like an old man. I'm not a baby. Uh, I may look like a baby, but because of my experiences, I'm an old man. And it really is true. Uh, he, he's lived a lot of life, uh, and a lot of life that many people never, never experience. So uh, a fascinating story, but um, it, it wasn't completely uh, followed through with. So I'm giving this movie a C+. Uh, I really think that uh, that it, it maybe a B-. minus. I'll kind of average between C plus and a B-. minus. It, it really... The length of it and that voiceover narration really took it away. Took away from me. So, Beast of No Nation, in select theaters and available um, on Netflix right now. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I've been hearing, uh, I'm hearing pretty good things about it actually. But I'm interested. I was curious to hear your take on it. And, uh, sounds like you and I might, it, it, when I get around to seeing it, sounds like I may have the same opinion that you do. Uh, yeah. Well, I've got uh, Steve Jobs. I don't know if you want to chat about that. Yeah, we can do that. I didn't get a chance to see it yet because uh, my son is really, he's coming into town this weekend and he wanted to uh, gotcha. see it with me. And so I didn't see it too. I also did not see the screening on Tuesday night, uh, but uh, let's hear your take All right, on. let's talk about this. Uh, Aaron Sorkin is, a, is an amazing writer from my standpoint. I've been a long, long time fan of Sorkin and his work uh, going back to his uh, days on TV. Um, and, uh, and just quite a you know amazing uh, body of work on film as well. Well, he brings the life of Steve Jobs uh, to the screen through his script, and it really captures, really concentrates only on three particular moments in time for Steve Jobs, his career, 
um, who was really kind of one of the main men behind Apple. There were two main men behind Apple, and, uh, and Wozniak, who, uh, who is in this film as well, played by uh, Seth Rogen. Does a great job with that. Steve Jobs played by uh, Michael Fassbender. Really like Michael Fassbender. Um, Kate, Kate Winslet also is in this film, as well as Jeff Daniels. Those are the stars in this film that, that looks at three particular points in the life of Steve Jobs. And these times surround periods of when he's doing some key product launches. So it's not a biopic in the sense of what a lot of people think of as a biopic. It's really taking kind of snapshots of different time periods and pulling them together. And that's done well. You know, when Lincoln was released a few years ago, it was also considered a biopic because it was about a biographical figure. But it really looked at a particular point in time. It really wasn't this full sweeping scope of a person's life. And this movie is the same way. It's not about a complete scope of a person's life. If you want that, you've got a documentary. And there are plenty of documentaries out there uh, about Steve Jobs that you can check out that, that are well done. Uh, there was a biopic last year. Um, Ashton Kutcher played Steve Jobs. Um, so this one's a bit different, you know, in, in the way that it approaches it. Um, I think it does a nice job. Um, I think the film does a great job in, uh, in showing that uh, Jobs was both a genius, but he was also faced with the challenge of kind of living under this name and the expectations. So you kind of saw the fear of what was going on with his life as well. And so it really was a man versus himself in so many different levels and man versus society because society uh, had these high expectations for him. I think he did a nice job of that. The acting was wonderful. Um, script was great. Um, dialogue, uh, I loved I loved Sorkin's dialogue. Uh, he always finds a way to, to do that and to make that work so, so well. Uh, but sometimes it there was kind of a conflict with what was happening with the dialogue and how uh, the director tried to bring that dialogue to life. Uh, Danny Boyle uh, is the one who directed this, and uh, you know some folks may, may know him from uh, Slumdog Millionaire. I think I've got that right, Slumdog Millionaire. Isn't that, wasn't that That's Danny right. Boyle? Yeah. Um, but I, I felt at times that the the script and what, what, um, what Boyle was trying to bring to the – to, from that script, they didn't they didn't quite work together. Sometimes they kind they kind of were in conflict with each other. Uh, also, there were times that the music mix was completely in conflict with the dialogue that was going on on screen, and that was distracting and, and a bit disrupting. So uh, that may have been intentional, um, I, I, but it, for me, it was it was a bit distracting. And so I'm gonna have to do a little more research on that to find out if there was a, if that was purpose involved. In that I know sometimes it is, but this time it uh, I really wanted to hear the dialogue of what was going on. So uh, you know the film uh, it, it had its challenges, but uh, but overall I'm giving it a, I'm giving it a good solid B. Um, it it was it was good to see Fassbender on screen and uh, portraying uh, Steve Jobs, and I think he did a wonderful job on that. So Steve Jobs in theaters now. I'm giving that a B reading right here on Cinema Scene on WGWG. Interesting. Interesting. So did you uh, did you see Crimson Peak? Uh, and what did you think of that? Okay, did not see Crimson Peak. Let me get your thoughts on that. We can uh, wrap up the show with your uh, feedback on that. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, I, uh, of course, it's Guillermo del Toro, and uh, he's known as a you know really talented director. Uh, last film out was Pacific Rim, of course. Of course, he's, you know, done such things as Pan's Labyrinth. That's one of his born over. He served as producer on, you know, the horror film uh, The Orphanage. Uh, at the, uh, uh, 
Don't be afraid of the dark. That's it. I was trying to get it out. So, you know, he's no stranger to the horror genre. But, uh, uh, Crimson Peak basically just kind of falls flat. Uh, it, it's a supernatural story, but it's odd in that it doesn't, the, the script really, if you, if you were to take the ghosts out of the film, uh, you really wouldn't be none, the film wouldn't be any worse for it if, if you just removed the whole supernatural element. It, 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 the ghosts are thrown in there almost, it seems like, uh, it's, it's, because I know Del Toro does that stuff so well that they, they, they come into play every so often, just enough to, to where they can say, well, it's a, a, a Del Toro ghost story. But the plot, the actual plot of the film is, uh, it, it's the kind of thing where, um, uh, this, uh, this Tom Hiddleston plays this character who is, uh, He's, he's this spinsterish girl. Uh, he kind of cons her into helping you know, finance one of his projects and uh, to fix up and renovate his mansion he lives in. And then uh, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but but he's, he's basically conning the girl. And uh, it's one of those movies where that really doesn't, like I said, it's not contingent upon the supernatural element at all. Uh, it's a great-looking movie, great visual effects. Of course, there are a few scares here and there. Uh, some creepy imagery, but I don't know. It just kind of falls flat. The story, it's really overlong. It's about an hour and 59 minutes. They could have made a few judicious trims here and there, and things would have tightened it up a little bit. I think it would have played better. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a mixed bag. Delco... Diehards may find it more appealing than I did. And I know there are some defenders on it, but I, I don't know. I was kind of let down by the film, unfortunately. So I'm going to give it a, a C plus for Crimson Peak. Uh, let's hope he does better with the uh, forthcoming Pacific Rim 2. Okay, so, good okay. deal. Well, let me let me give you, if you're talking about Del Toro, let me go ahead and give you uh, something to check out if you have and if you are, are a fan of, of uh, interesting TV series. FX has released uh, a series called The Strain. It's now in its uh, second season. Del Toro created this, and uh, it has definitely got uh, all the markings of good material from Del Toro. You can definitely see his, uh, his fingerprint and his feet print all over this, uh, this film. Uh, this, I'm sorry, this uh, TV series. It's called The Strain on FX, and so it is available uh, all, a lot of places. So I'd recommend that. If you want to look at some uh, some really good Del Toro, that is long lasting stuff, and that's one of the things uh, you know Del Toro was interviewed at one point uh, about doing things for TV, and he says, you know, we're we're in this new golden age for television, that if you've got a really interesting character, a really interesting story, you can do so much with it in good TV productions, and he's exactly right. I mean, Fargo. Uh, which you and I both saw on film, and I, I know I was a big fan of it. I think you were as well. Oh, of course. Um, the Fargo TV series is excellent, and they're now in a second season of that, and it is just as excellent. So we're in this new age of TV, and um, and, and I think it really opens up uh, opens up really good directors and writers to be able to do a lot more. 
Well, man, we are out of time. Uh, it's been a great show. We covered a whole lot today on Cinema Scene on Gardner Web University Radio, WGWG.org. I appreciate Adam Long as always, and I uh, know it was uh, tough to get in touch with you this week riding on the road, but we're glad you're able to do the show. And, we'll just uh, call it, uh, we'll call it half Cinema Scene Will Travel. How about that? <laughs> exactly. And for our listeners, we appreciate you listening to us as always. And uh, next week, uh, we will uh, bring you a, a Halloween special, and uh, hopefully we can talk about uh, Creep Show, and that was something we wanted to talk about to, oh, yeah. to bring that back with uh, Keep It, Delete It, or Reboot It, and so uh, hopefully maybe we can spend the whole uh, whole show talking about that. We'll wait and see, but we will be talking about some of our, uh, our some horror-related elements for uh, our Halloween edition of Cinema Scene next week on Gardner-Webb University Radio. Until next time, I'm Noel Manning, that's Adam Long, and for this week, that is a wrap.